Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Heredity Podcast. I'm your host, James Bergen. And today, we're going to beat away those winter blues with a bit of North African sunshine as we discuss the recent heredity paper, The Hidden Side of a Major Marine Biogeographic Boundary. A wide mosaic hybrid zone at the Atlantic-Mediterranean Divide reveals the complex interaction between natural and genetic barriers in mussels. Now, many of you may be familiar with mussels from your dinner plate, and the rest of you are probably a little bit perplexed by the ability of others to eat something so, well, weird-looking. But what you may not appreciate is just how good organisms like mussels are for studying the effects of oceanic barriers on the structuring of marine species. To find out more about this research, I spoke to senior author Dr. Nicolas Bien from the University of Montpellier. And we're just going to dive straight in. So here it is. I am uh, Nicolas Bien. I am a CNRS researcher and I am working at the University of Montpellier in a lab called Institut des Sciences de l'Evolution de Montpellier. So this paper is really interesting from a couple of perspectives. Um, and while it is on one species, it's actually kind of looking at the effect of this thing called the Almira or in front. So maybe to start us off, you could just explain what it is and the influence that it's thought to have on the structuring of marine species. So it's widespread to observe that populations are subdivided into genetic clusters. And they often meet in sharp regions. Some are well known. You have the Alps or the Pyrenees that are regions of contact between genetic lineages. And the Almeria Oran Front is one of these areas of contact between genetically differentiated populations. It corresponds to an ocean current that delineate the Atlantic waters and the Mediterranean waters. So we have a coincidence with an oceanographic front and a genetic differentiation observed at many marine species. It sounds like it's a really interesting area ecologically and genetically. And you kind of mentioned that it has an influence on quite a number of species. But in this paper, you focused in on the Mediterranean mussel. Maybe you could explain why it's such a good species for studying the effect of this front on the genetic structuring of populations. Okay, so first, it's a species I am studying a lot. It's my favorite study system. In my Tillus mussels, you have a complex of species that can hybridize Here in this paper, we only focus on one of the three species of the complex, the Mediterranean mussel, Mytilus galloprincialis. So in previous papers, we found that actually gene introgression from the other species has an effect on the genetic structure of Mytilus galloprincialis. So we confirm with many loci that the Atlantic populations and Mediterranean populations of these species are strongly uh, differentiated. But this differentiation is only found in some part of the genome. So the first reason to study these species is that we have previous works with genome-wide sequencing data. 
And also the advantage of muscle is that the population size are very large, so it is easy to sample them. And also the adults are sessile. They don't move, so it simplifies a lot the interpretation of the data. Yeah, no, that makes it sound like a pretty ideal system to study. So I find it quite interesting. You kind of mentioned that there's a lot of genomic data that's backing up this paper, but you've actually focused in on a couple of carefully selected genes. So what was your thinking behind focusing in on this sort of very restricted set of genetic markers? Okay, so the reason we focus on few markers is simply because we don't need to use more markers for the objective of this paper. It was just to identify the Atlantic genetic background and the Mediterranean genetic background and to uh, try to see how much they mixed in the area of contact. And for this purpose, the four markers we used were sufficient. Perfect. And your sampling has covered a really broad geographic area. So what was your thinking behind your geographic sampling? So in all the previous genetic studies of this zone of transition between um, Mediterranean and Atlantic populations assembled the northern coast of the Almeria Orient Front in Spain and never sampled extensively the Algerian coast. So we know that the Atlantic waters enters the Mediterranean Sea through the south. And you have a current called the Algerian current that follows the Algerian coast that is a mix of Atlantic and Mediterranean waters. So the idea is that we could have more mixing in the southern coast than in the northern coast. So that's why we wanted to sample the Algerian coast. And actually, when we did this, I expected to observe a climb in allele frequency that would be larger than in the north. But uh, when we went to sample the Algerian coast, we sampled around 200 kilometers east of Oran, and we observed the Atlantic genetic background in high frequency, even 200 kilometers inside the Mediterranean Sea. This was a big surprise, and the first author of the study, Tahani, had to go back to sample again towards Tunisia. And at the end, we observed that the zone of coexistence between the two uh, genetic lineages is 600 kilometers wide. Wow, that is pretty substantial. Yeah, this is why the, the fact that we were sampling uh, muscles is an advantage because it's easier to sample muscles than to, to fish uh, fishes. Or... <laughs> Imagine so. Um, so why is this hybrid zone so much bigger than you expected? So the reason why this zone is so large, it's because it's a combination of three standard clinal zones. You, you have um, the patch of Mediterranean muscle that is maintained around Oran, one in the west in the Alboran Sea, and the other in the, the east between uh, Oran and Algier. Then you have a patch of Atlantic muscles, and again a new cline at the Bay of Bejaya that provides a transition back to the Mediterranean lineage. Perfect. So um, you explained a little bit there about this hybrid zone extending much further than you thought and this being a bit unexpected. And there were some really interesting results that you had. So I wonder if you could maybe explain your main findings and what they're kind of telling us about the impact of this oceanic front on these muscles. 
Okay, so when we found this wide uh, mosaic hybrid zone, we basically had two hypotheses. The first hypothesis is that you have environmental differences and one lineage is adapted to one habitat and the other lineage is adapted to the other habitat. However, it's not our favorite hypothesis in this case because we know that the Algerian coast ecologically is very similar to the Mediterranean uh, waters. So the alternative hypothesis was that connectivity of populations, the marine currents, could explain this mosaic structure. So what is unusual in this case is that as um, muscle are coastal species, they only live in a unidimensional habitat along the coast. And if you have the, the image of Spain in your mind, you can see that the northern coast quickly go uh, northward, while the southern coast go eastward. And so quickly, you cannot have connectivity between the northern and the southern coast. Larval dispersal does not allow one generation dispersal between the southern coast and the northern coast. So we introduced this uh, fact in uh, simulation models. And so when you do this, it's like you have two unidimensional habitats, one in the north and one in the south. So our idea was that one hybrid zone could be trapped in the north at Almeria in Spain and the other zone in the south trapped at the Bay of Bejaya inside the Mediterranean Sea. However, this only explains that you have the Atlantic genetic lineage in Algeria, but it does not explain the coexistence of the Mediterranean and the Atlantic lineage in Algeria. To obtain this result, you simply have to introduce in the simulation model a predominantly unidirectional gene flow from the north to the south, which is in accordance with what we know about marine currents in this area. And if you introduce in simulation model these two observation, unidimensional habitat and unidirectional gene flow from the north to the south, you obtain the mosaic structure observed with the data. Okay. I wonder if it kind of might have an impact for how people think about aspects of local adaptation. So I think coming into it, a lot of people might expect the lineages might be locally adapted to quite different habitats. Um, is that a valid way of looking at it? Well, what we can say is that if it was only adaptation to the two environments, we would expect in Algeria to have a gradient of genetic differentiation between the Atlantic waters to the Mediterranean waters. But what we have is really the coexistence of the two lineages with few hybrids. So how do we know that there are few hybrids? It's simply because linkage disequilibrium and Hardy-Weinberg disequilibrium are very strong in this area. So we have a deficit of hybrids in these populations. And this cannot be due to local adaptation. It can only be due to reproductive isolation independent of the habitat. Okay, so they are co-occurring, but they are not interbreeding. Exactly. That is interesting. At the end of your paper, you highlight a number of quite interesting future studies. So I wonder if you could maybe explain a little bit about the next steps. Maybe the first one is to verify if other species 
have the same genetic structure in Algeria. We have something like more than 50 species with a strong genetic differentiation between uh, the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea. In the case of mussel, I would like to know what are these reproductive isolation mechanisms that we indirectly inferred from genetic data. But what are there really? Is it prezygotic isolation? Is it genetic incompatibilities that produce a hybrid fitness depression? So to answer this kind of questions, you would need to cross muscles in the lab. So you can verify uh, if they fertilize randomly or assortatively. They can also um, have asynchronous spawning. So they do not necessarily uh, spawn at the same uh, period. So it can also be a, a reason why they do not interbreed uh, often. So to study this, it would be better to go directly in the field in Algeria and use artificial collectors. So you can verify where and which larva settled in a given place. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that could explain their co-occurrence, but lack of interbreeding. Exactly. Yeah. That was Dr. Nicolas Bien from the University of Montpellier in France. And just so you know, the first edit of this interview was about 40 minutes long. So if you're thinking about whether or not you should go and read the full paper, I can comfortably recommend that you should. And finally, before we sign off, I just want to let you know what's happening in the world of our fellow GenSoc podcast, Genetics Unzipped. Take it away, Kat. In the latest episode of Genetics Unzipped, we're looking at the genetics of failure, why we fail to lose weight thanks to our genes, and why ignoring genetic information and DNA diversity in drug development leads to billions of dollars being wasted on treatments that don't work. Genetics Unzipped is brought to you by the Genetics Society. Listen and download from geneticsunzipped.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Failing to lose weight? I can relate. Anyway, that's us for this episode. As always, you can find the paper featured on the Heredity website. That's www.nature.com forward slash hdy. While you're there, you can discover more about the journal and how you can get your research published in it, and maybe end up featured in this podcast. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow Heredity on Twitter. That's at Heredity Journal. And if you want to get in touch directly, drop me an email at hereditypodcast.gen at gmail.com. I'm James Bergen. Tune in next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.